and welcome to the former podcast that was formerly known as Students of the Game. We are now known as the Sports Boys. I'm uh, Craig Farkerson, uh, Ginger Sport. Uh, we have Kane, who's Sporty Sport. Thomas Hello. is with us today, who is Posh Sport. And Austin, Hello. who is Baby Sport. Right. Scary Sport won't be with us today, unfortunately, because he had prior engagements. Um, so this week we're going to talk about, um, we're going to start with European football. So we're going to start with, um, I wouldn't say the biggest shock, but um, Manchester United not going to be able to have a trophy for like the last five years and how Atletico Madrid and the referee managed to beat Manchester United on Tuesday night. Um, Kane, did you see the game? Yeah, I was watching. Um I, th- I thought it was interesting that you mentioned the referee. He, he certainly didn't have a great game, but I feel like a lot of the Man United fans are you know, using that as a bit of a scapegoat. It was the referee. The, the reality of it is Man United aren't good enough, and Atletico Madrid are the kings of doing that, of just sitting back, frustrating you, and they know how to hold the lead. And I think you mentioned it, Craig, they know every dirty trick in the book. They know every way to... To just to just get at you, whether it's a wee bit of time wasting. I, I noticed there was a brilliant one, uh, Marcos Lorente. He was uh, he went up for the, a challenge. I think he, he clipped his ankle or something, and he went down holding on to his ankle, and then he realised, oh wait, if I hold on to my head here, the referee might stop the game. So then he started grabbing hold of his head when you could see quite clearly he'd been kicked in the ankle. And yeah, the referee looked over his head and said, "I'll blow the whistle, stop the game." And obviously that, that keeps the time ticking and ticking and. It's little things like that. It's just genius from Atletico. It is obviously, as a Man United fan, Craig, I'm sure you're frustrated watching watching them do that. Uh, but it's if you're an Atletico fan, you must love it. Every little trick they know. And it's Simeone's just built a career on that, just being so good at seeing out a game, grinding out results. And Yeah, and the referee did, he didn't do a very good job, but there's just no way through for Man United. They just couldn't get past that Atletico defence. And it's nothing to be ashamed. I mean, it's happened years and years. I mean, they won the league doing it last season. But, uh, I don't know. You look, there was an interesting thing. Somebody said that you look at uh, the Atletico team, I'm pretty sure that Simeone had signed everybody in that Atletico team. The Man United team, at the end of the game, there was all the players, there was four different managers had signed the Man United players going back to, I believe it was going back to when Louis Van Gaal was there. Four separate managers piecing I together this Man United team. Sir Alex as well, because I think Sir Alex signed it here. Of course, Sir Alex did sign here, didn't he? That was probably his last good, his good sign for us. I think his last sign was Zaha, and that didn't work out. Uh, yes, yeah, so that, that's four different managers' teams that have all these players are going to be thrown together, managed by Ralph Anjik, who didn't sign a single one of them. Why not have some serious problems? And at the end of the game, when you looked at the, the team they had out there, I mean, they had to throw on Cavani at one point to, to try and, you know, just throw it into the box, try and get him to run on something to do a bit of work. But the end of the game, you've got Cavani there, he's in his, his, his 30s. You've got Ronaldo in his late 30s. Uh, Juan Mata came on, who I forgot was still a player, who was still playing. Matic came on, he's into his, his 30s. And even Pogba turned 29 the other day. I think you look at that Man United team, and I think there's a, a lot of change needed. You need to cut their losses with a lot of these guys, Pogba being one of them. Uh, I wasn't very... We discussed before uh, in, the, in the group chat on WhatsApp the whole Rashford incident, and... I agree with Tom that he's in the he's in the public eye. It's something that's going to happen. You're going to get, you know, a bit of abuse when you're not performing, when you're on the wages you are. Rashford's done brilliant. His, his attitude towards the racist abuse that all the England players received following the penalty shootout lost to Italy was just 
nothing short of heroic, to be honest. It was brilliant, the way he dealt with that racism. What he did for the school kids was brilliant. He was doing Boris Johnson's job for him. It was fantastic. But on the field, it's it's just not working. He's kind of living off the reputation that he built a few years ago when he first came on the scene now. And yeah, he's going to have to deal with a bit of stick from time to time. Um, so it was a bit of a shame to see him reacted in a bad way, but just that I think his frustration in that fan was just every Man United fan's frustration and everybody involved in Man United's frustration. And it's a long way to go. They're not going to be competing in that competition for a while. And like you said, they're not going to be winning a trophy for yet another year. So, yeah, it was... I don't know what to say about Man United, to be honest. There's a lot to be said about Man United. Let's be fair. Uh, yeah, Tom, Tom's just chomping at the bit here. I can see him just smiling away. Um, one of the, there's so many issues. Like you can go to the Asian squad, to like the fact that we don't have any world-class centre midfielders, or the fact that Harry Maguire's form is just jump off a roof somewhere. The whole uh, issue with Rashford just now. Um, I'm just like naming like so so many things like. The, the wing-backs we have aren't defensively competent. Um, the, the football that we play is kind of half... It's like a half-press, and half-pressing just doesn't work in this like modern age. Because then after that, if you can get out of that half-press, like you're already... You're, as soon as you're out there, everyone's out of position, and then you're straight at the back four. And oh, you're vulnerable. Yeah. It's, there's, there's like... There is, there is a lot that needs to be changed. They're, they're probably going to have to, for Man United to complete, I, I'd keep Varane because I think Varane will do a decent job for the next three, four years. Um, we'll probably need a left back, a right back. I like De Gea. I mean, Dean Henderson's a good backup, so goalkeepers I don't think we need to worry about. Centre mids, um, it's, it's hard because I saw when, when Fred went further forward in the first half there, all of a sudden, he was like Ronaldinho at some point, you know. It was some amazing touches, and he was hustling, and he was hurrying. Him further up the pitch seems like he's more comfortable with that, but that means you need to go and get a defensive midfielder. Uh, I like Scott McTominay, but he, he puts a lot of work rate in, but he's not a defensive midfielder. I think the only defensive midfielder we've got is Nemanja Matic, and he's in his 30s. <laughs> so it's like... We need a we need a defensive mid that can like a Rodri, like a Fernandinho, and enough that you yeah. can like McTominay do what he does best, which is box to box, and Fred continue to be Ronaldinho. Um, there's also like an attitude problem at the club because you can go to Bruno Fernandez. Fernandez is a fantastic player, but he was getting caught up in like every little dirty trick that Atletico Madrid were doing. And looking at it like that as well, he's just whinging and whinging and then going to the referee a bit more. And then, like, the, the fact is, when he does that, it doesn't help the cause because then he's out of position. When the Atletico Madrid players are trying to harass a ref, they are, they're all in their position and they all just raise their hands. And, like, that's the difference. They don't go over the ref and whinge until the ball's out of play and then they're going... I think it's... Yeah, that's strange, isn't it? There's so, so many problems. And I, like, I don't even know which one to fix first. It's just utterly, utterly depressing to be a Manchester United fan just now. Cause it's it, just a clear out. You just need a massive clear out. But then you look at, like, I mean, absolute mugs that paid about 80 million for Harry Maguire. Who is going to take Harry Maguire off your hands for anything? You know, a quarter of that would still be ridiculous. It's, he cost more than Van Dyke, did he not? 
I mean, how's that? Somebody's. He's the thing is, it's this season he's been really bad ever since uh, England lost in the Euros. Because looking at his stats at previous seasons, okay, he doesn't have pace, and he and he turns around like a like a train, no one at all, you know. Yeah, it's just like his stats were good in the previous seasons, just falling off a cliff. I don't know if it's Varane coming in uh, or if he's still suffering from the Euros. Because when when I see him put on an England shirt, he seems to be competent. Right, which is which is weird. So it might just be the weight of the Manchester United ship is finally weighing down on him. And yeah, the leadership of England's better as well. Yeah, I mean Southgate has his critics in that, but Southgate's obviously quite a defensive minded kind of guy and why I must like that, you know, knowing that he's gonna be partnered with like Stones or when they sometimes go into like a three and he's got like uh, Kyle Walker to his right. Then you've got Calvin Phillips or Declan Rice in front of you, both really, really a couple of the best defensive midfielders I think the Premier League has got, and uh, I mean that's that's two guys that you man you know Man United should be going for players like that. Calvin Phillips in that Man United squad would be unbelievable. You know, get yourself Calvin Phillips, and I don't know, strikers is a tough one. I was speaking to my brother about it. He's an Arsenal fan, and he says that's the missing piece of the puzzle for Arsenal. But it's hard to think of a striker that is going to want to go to like a Man United or Arsenal when you know like Haaland, obviously probably the most sought after striker in the world just now. He's not going to go to Man United or Arsenal. Harry Kane's probably not going to go to Man United, but he's definitely not going to Arsenal. It's it's tough to think. They just need a massive clear out, and then bring in. So I, I don't know. It's so it's so it's so tough to start with. I mean, like Liverpool's problem that year, they lost the Champions League and Carrius had kind of cost them it. You knew the problem was well, let's get a really really world class goalkeeper, and things will be fine. And they were they were totally fine. They won it the next year. Then they won the league the year after that. A lot of these teams have a little problem. Chelsea obviously have other problems, but on the pitch, there's nothing really wrong with Chelsea. All these teams seem to have the odd problem. Arsenal, a striker. Man United have so many problems. Who is it that sings that song? 99 problems? I think there's more than 99 problems. Jay-Z. Bring Jay-Z in. Give him a contract. Jay-Z till the end of the season. <laughs> nah, but seriously, more than 99 problems. It's just crazy. There's no other club that... Yeah, even in the relegation fight, there's, there's teams down there who look like they've got it together more. They just don't have as much quality. But Man United don't even know how to do it. There's no leadership. It's very depressing. Let's be tell, let's be tell Liverpool fan. Um, Thomas, how how are you feeling about the problems at Manchester United? Uh, I know you're expecting me to be like, oh, over the moon that Atletico Madrid are through, but I don't think they should be. I from what I saw of the game, I thought Man United had the better chances, and All Black was just brilliant in goal. Um, yeah, I I don't think that Man United deserved to go out uh, as much as usually I'd have liked to have seen them go out I'm kind of disappointed to see them gone um, yeah yeah I, uh, yeah, I think Man United should be in the quarterfinals in my opinion um, in regards to Rashford's reaction that's Kane said like it it just was it's understandable why he reacted in the way that he was. Um, there's been a lot of negative press about him recently. But, like, I mean, I, I only play semi-professionally at sport, and we're told, you know, you, you can't react. It, no matter what anyone says or does, you can't react. Because they'll be on cameras, and you're going to... It's going to hurt your reputation. Yeah, there's obviously a line with reacting. I feel... Racist abuse and things such as that are uh, 
remember the, the horrible incident, he, he actually did well not to react, but when Scott Brown got off the, the bus at Ibrox, I remember somebody shouting something about one of his family members that had died. And stuff like that, I feel like it's justified to react, you know, when, when it comes to serious things like that. But I mean, performance-based criticism, it's your job. You know what I mean? Like, if, you, if your post doesn't turn up, you start calling them under the, all the names under the sun. You're like, well, why are you not here? It's his job. You know what I mean? This is Rashford's job. Try to put the ball in there. Try to give the ball to somebody to then put in the net. He's going to get criticism for his job. Um, like I said, I mean, if it was something far more serious, such as like racist abuse or, or something like that, it's justified if they react. But, um, but not, not on performance-based stuff. It's, 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 it's the end of the day. I mean, like I said, it's his job. He has to be doing better. Right. Shall we talk about um, the, the draw for the Champions League then? So, Atletico Madrid have now got probably the ultimate test of stopping Manchester City. This is like the ultimate clash of styles. This is this is beautiful football versus shithousery on the highest, highest scale. And I, I'm, to be fair, I, I'm looking forward to it in the way that it'll be interesting to see how this works because Pep and Simeone are like two sides of the same coin, I would say. Like, one likes hard, defensive, hard-working football and the other is all about attack, and they're really passionate people. You'll see them both on the, like, just watching them on the touchline uh, when this these two games go off. will just be, like, they'll be waving their arms about, claiming for everything. It's going to be quite, I think it's going to be an absolute great tussle. Um, the question is, do Atletico Madrid have the firepower to get goals against Manchester City? And that's kind of where that I think that tie can be won and lost. If Atletico Madrid can't score against Manchester City, then it's a completely different ballgame. Um, Austin, what do you think of the draw? Well, Craig, it's, it's an interesting one. I thought it's quite funny that they just beat a Manchester club and then they've drawn instantly the other Manchester club. I thought that was, that was good. So we know already the record in Manchester is brilliant which is, is fantastic, but uh, no, you're good. your point about uh, the clash of styles there is really interesting. Um, I feel that, and I've said this before, but whenever Guardiola lines up teams in the Champions League, he's been known to get it wrong before, particularly when he doesn't play a recognised striker up front, um, which is often proved to be his detriment. So I think um, it's a case of, of wits, it's a case of who's going to out-tactic each other. And, you know, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't say Atletico Madrid don't have a chance. I think they definitely do. But this will come down to more to Pep's, I would say, more to Pep Guardiola's possible tactical ineptitude than the Champions League. It, it really depends. Um, so I, f- I feel like Atletico Madrid could um, go away uh from Manchester, but the sort of maybe a 1 0 win, quite a slim advantage though. But to take it into the Wanda Metropolitano would be very special because the atmosphere there, and um, while being a relatively new stadium, is still rocking. So uh, it, it could be a tough one for Manchester, it could be a tough one, but hopefully, you know, they don't get their tactics wrong and they, they do try and play a recognized striker up front uh, for their own sake. Which is, you know, it should be great. The other um, English versus Spanish is Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Uh, but was this a was this a game in the Champions League last year? Yeah. I think so. It was, I, I, yeah. 
it was, yeah, I thought it was, yeah. yeah. So, how do you think this uh, Chelsea team will do against Real Madrid and Benzema? I mean, I think it's, I think this year, Real's obviously they didn't win the league last season. Uh, I think Benzema's looked a wee bit more informed this year than he, he had last year. So I think Real have improved a lot. Um, pretty sure they've also made some signings at the start of this year. Obviously, they acquired Alaba as well, which could be that's made them stronger. They, they missed Ramos for the second leg of the tie. Uh, sorry, it was for the first leg at Stamford Bridge. They, they missed Ramos for that tie last year when they were in the semi finals against Chelsea. So Real's improved quite a lot. Uh, I think we're all agreed Chelsea, they've not looked too different this season, but they've, they're definitely not as good. I don't, I don't think. I think maybe because Liverpool and City look head shoulder above everybody else in the league that has kind of taken it off Chelsea a wee bit. Uh, but I don't know what I don't know what the outcome of that game is going to be. I think that could be one of the more interesting ones, to be honest. If you look at City, we know for a fact that City is going to we could break a record for having the most possession over two league ties of a, a quarter final of Champions League against Atletico. Atletico is going to sit there and really not care if they get a touch of the ball at all. Uh, Liverpool kind of blowing everybody out of the water, so they're going to take. Um, take care of Benfica, no borrow. Uh, Bayern Munich, you'd also think today they should see past Villarreal easily enough. Villarreal aren't really a Champions League team, certainly not a Champions League quarter finalist. So, uh, yeah, I think this will be the closest tie. It'll be really good. Um, but I, I couldn't think of a winner. I'm not sure how it's going to go, to be honest. Uh, whether Tuchel's going to sit back a bit more or, or whether he's going to go for it. Because I think if you go by form, Real would be the informed side. What do you think of uh, Liverpool versus Benfica, Thomas? Uh, I couldn't be happier with with the draw, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, I watched it this morning, and it was sort of everything that I said I really want to come from this came from it. Uh, like before the draw, I was like, right, Benfica, if we can get them or Villarreal, like we're grand. Um, and yeah. Uh, got the draw that we wanted. Um, if we get through it, uh, which is still very much an if, uh, anything can happen in the Champions League, we'll come up against either Bayern Munich or Villarreal in the semi-final. Um, and I think that's perfect for us as well. I don't think we'll make it look easy, even them. Um, I think we've looked good when it's come to domestic football, but I wasn't impressed with us in the last... Uh, knockout state well in the last knockout round in the Champions League I don't I'm not I'm not convinced that we deserve to go through um, so yeah and I think Benfica have been impressive they've outdone themselves I'm going to be sad to see them go out um, but I but I think they're going to I don't think I'm going to be sad to see them go out that back uh, yes, but yeah, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I think it's going to be a very difficult tie. Yeah, no, it will be. I think like, the Champions League draw is interesting. Um, it could potentially set up some very, very tasty semi-finals. Like you could have a Madrid derby on one side. You could have Chelsea versus Manchester City. You could have like Man City versus Real Madrid, or like Chelsea versus Atletico on that side. And on the other on the other side, like Bayern Munich versus Liverpool, like is a very 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 interesting tie. That could end up four, that could end up four three at the Allianz, and four all four all 
Anfield. Like that's just the, the way the teams play. It'll just be an absolute riot to watch, I think. And then after that, like Villarreal aren't any mugs, so Bayern Munich better be thingy, especially because they struggled against Salzburg in the first leg. Because mm. um, and at the same, and Bayern Munich haven't looked great this season either. They've not been nearly as consistent as you'd expect. Um, yeah, apart from Lewandowski, they've kind of looked a little bit um, unpredictable, even in see, the league. I'd say Muller as well. I think Muller kind of goes under the radar a bit, and I think he's had a good season for them as well. But like uh, Nagelsmann hasn't recreated that uh, same formula that Hans Flick has. So I'll be honest to see because I think the the Champions League this year will be like the next well next the last half of it will be very very good to watch. Shall we talk about um, Rangers? Oh, you want to say something, Austin? Uh, Craig, I'd just like to add a note on onto discussion there about consistency. Uh, I'd like to point out that while we were focused on Liverpool mainly there, uh, that Benfica indeed they haven't lost. They've only lost two games uh, ever since Nelson Verissimo assumed first team managerial responsibilities at Benfica, um, only to heal Vicente in the Liga Portugal and to Sport in Lisbon in the Portuguese League Cup final, which is it's been brilliant. Uh, their consistency has seen them, of course, defeat. Ajax away from home at the Johan Cruyff Arena, which again, a result that many Benfica fans would have bet your hand off for uh, if, you, if you said they would have done that a few months ago, which is so impressive. Nelson Verissimo has essentially revolutionised Benfica and he's got top-class strikers on top form, including Darwin Nunez, who is now the UCL top scorer for Benfica, scoring his fourth uh, against Ajax, the winner. And only one goal of his so far has been a penalty in the Champions League, which again is amazing. Um, you know, the point of Benfica is right now they've had a sort of underdog mentality again, while being quite a distinguished club in Europe too. They wouldn't have expected it this season to go so far in the Champions League because they floundered in the Liga well, very badly. They were really poor under Jorge Zeus early on in the season, which is why he was terminated in the December. And since Nelson Verissimo's come in, they've they've done the complete they've done a complete 180 essentially on their form. It's sort of reminiscent of uh, Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea when he came in and guided them to a Champions League victory. Um not that uh, I'm saying that he will do the same, however I'm hopeful and I'm confident I feel as well. Uh, Legendary club defender Louis Schau uh, remembers Benfica's 3-0 aggregate victory over Liverpool. And I'm not sure uh, if Tom would like to be reminded of that <laughs> from the 05-06 uh, season where Liverpool were defending their Champions League title, including um, a 2-0 loss at Anfield, which is very interesting because, well, Liverpool, of course, they don't tend to lose at Anfield very much anymore. However, um, they defeated Ajax as well, who have a very distinct and uh, notable home record. So, who knows? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount uh, Benfica at all. I feel if they, um, if they get the result of the Estadio de Luz, which is uh, in the first leg on April fifth, I feel yeah, uh, they could well do it. They could well surprise us all and beat Liverpool. Thomas is uh, 
confidence has just went right from his face. There. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, thanks for the reminder, Austin. That's, that's very kind of you. <laughs> right, um, I want to talk about the result of the week. The result of the week is West Ham United beating Sevilla. Right, West Ham United, like, actually going toe-to-toe with Sevilla and coming away with the win. Like, obviously, the, the Hollywood story there is Yarmolenko uh, scored the winner, but, like, you can look at all of those players in that team. You've got Antonio, uh, who was holding off, like, Kunde, who's been linked with every every big club under the sun, and he got run ragged by Antonio. Uh, you got Declan Rice, Socek. Are West Ham now favourites to win the Europa League, um, Thomas? Uh, I think I think they're definitely one of the favourites, and I wouldn't be surprised to say that. It, uh, I think Sevilla is arguably one of the toughest tests that they could have gotten in that round. Um, that I mean, Sevilla are sort of Europa League in themselves. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm delighted for West Ham. Um, I think they think they deserved it. I only saw sort of the last half hour of the game. Um, but yeah, they they just looked dominant. Um, Ariola was strong in goal. Um, Declan Rice wasn't as effective as I thought he was going to be. Uh, he had a couple of chances that. I feel that he could have at least tested the keeper on um, and failed to do so. But, you know, West Ham have looked great under David Moyes this season. Um, and I would expect to see them get past Leon in the next round. Austin, do you think uh, David Moyes should be the next Manchester United manager? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the next best thing. So... <laughs> you know, tried it once, maybe good again. Uh, you know, I never, I never know. I wouldn't really have to know it as football. Uh, but he's done such an amazing job at West Ham, honestly. Uh, and to see his sort of managerial comeback as well, it's been absolutely brilliant, you know, from managing a sort of cash-strapped Sunderland into relegation from that point to uh, Europa League quarterfinals, yeah. Very impressive, very impressive. And as West Ham side have been resilient this season, um, they've, they've been absolutely electric. It's not it's not something we all expected um, for them to go so far in the Europa League because I feel many West Ham fans treated the Europa League journey as sort of a bonus on top of their Premier League campaign. However, now, now that they're sort of near the business end of it, I think West Ham fans have a right to sort of be excited and be hopeful uh, to possibly win the Europa League. But like, the team that stands in their way is a very good Leon side, so do you think Leon could do a job on them, Austin? Well, Craig, I feel Leon, they have, uh, they're doing well now. They have been a bit on and off this season so far, but they're starting to finally click, and I do feel that um, depending and I haven't, I haven't seen this just yet. Depending on where the first leg will take place, this could be a, this could be an uphill battle for West Ham. Uh, Leon Stadium has an amazing atmosphere, so I feel Leon would, would definitely have an advantage there, um, over West Ham already. However, 
Uh, man, for, man for man, uh, I would say West Ham's squad is better and has more quality, though. Leon as well, uh, they know how to pull through, they know how to get results, they know how to grind them out as well. And I feel um, this, this is quite big for Leon too, because they haven't, in European competition, they haven't done so well in recent years also. So there's a, there's a significance on both sides uh, to advance here. And hopefully, hopefully, I know uh, maybe I should be a West Ham supporter here because they're our home nations. But uh, actually, I wouldn't mind seeing Leon head through, to be honest, because uh, I feel while West Ham have been this amazing, so, uh, you, you, you could argue maybe a rags to riches story. Uh, Leon as well, again, so, uh, floundering season, they're mid-table, they're currently 10th in league on it's it'd be amazing to see uh, Leon head through what about Rangers Kane do you think that Rangers got the best draw in uh, getting Braga yeah it had to be I was looking at it thinking it's that's the best chance of getting through uh, I'm also quite happy to avoid West Ham we're on about them and they look good um, West Ham like you said I mean Tom pointed that out it's Sevilla's trophy pretty much to lose uh, every year it seems I don't know how because you win that and you get to the Champions League but they seem to purposely finish third anyway and just get into it um, no I was delighted that that was who who Rangers were drawn against I think it was probably the easiest draw uh, but it's quite important to also miss out on West Ham or Barcelona should they get through um, so it likely it'll be Atalanta or Leipzig who are, neither of them are mugs I mean Atalanta seem to there's a football conspiracy theory page to follow and it says Atalanta either win 3-0 or lose 3-0. There's not much middle ground. They do. They score a lot, but they do leak a lot of goals. But they're always entertaining games. Uh, and Leipzig have kind of got their act together a bit more. I was looking at a stat the other day, and I think they're in the top 10 most informed teams uh, in the top five leagues in Europe. They, they kind of um, got their act together after the, the sack Jesse Marsh. Uh, no, it was quite good. Although I, I, want, I don't want to be the party pooper here, but I think I'm going to have to drag his all down to reality and say that uh, West Ham can't win the Champions, a, a European trophy. They can't win the Europa League. It's going to be Barca. It's really boring. I hate to break it to you. Barca are really informed. They've not lost since the 20th of January. They look fantastic. Xavi's got them clicking now. They do look brilliant. Um, I just can't see any way past Barca. I think if they, if they do get through and get West Ham, it'll, it will be it'll be a lesson. A very a very uh, you know, eye-opening lesson for West Ham and their fans. I, could, I just can't see bar, past Barca at this point. Um, and what's, what's quite bad, actually, as well for West Ham is that, you know, they've got this European run on the go and fair enough, they might get past Leon, and then they could lose in the semi-final against, uh, against Barcelona, but that could totally hinder their chances for Europe next season. You look at the table just now, they're sixth at the moment, but Spurs who are behind them have the same amount of points, but a game in hand. And then you've got Wolves breathing down the next, just two points off them. It's really so you know, West Ham could realistically finish the season in about eight, which I don't wanna like ruin it. Everybody's this fairy tale story of West Ham, like they, they might get Champions League and they, they could even win Europe League, so it wouldn't matter about having to get top four, but nah, I'm, I'm dragging it pretty down to reality. It's gonna be Barca to win it. West Ham aren't even gonna qualify for Europe next year. And then David Moyes will be back. I don't know. So Breaking maybe Breaking job might come up. He can get that, but no, nah, no, nah, he has that. To be fair, he has done a fantastic job in that. And I was, I was thinking he probably is the manager of the season if you look at it. 
Although, uh, mm. to be fair to Austin's side, I, th- I felt like if, if Arsenal yeah. could pull that win out against Liverpool during the week, uh, I was thinking before the game, if they get a win here, they're pretty much guaranteed fourth. And given where they were at the start right. of the season, and people were legitimately talking about them finishing, you know, maybe three or four places above relegation spot, they, yeah. they've done they have a, a, like a fantastic turnaround, and he's got them playing well. Uh, so it's between that set and thingy, but no, nah, David Moyes has done really well. He's probably had himself a bigger move if he wanted to go somewhere else, but he might be a bit more cautious given his previous. So, yeah. Right. Shall we go into the Europa Conference League then? Sure. Yeah. So Leicester versus PSV Eindhoven. Uh, Austin, we were actually speaking about PSV Eindhoven the other day. Um, yeah. What do you think of Leicester's chances against this very informed side? Well, uh, there's something to be said about PSV this season, and it's that they're back. Have you hang on? Mhm. You're disconnecting, Austin. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. It's not better. <laughs> it's, 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 it's fine. Uh, okay, Thomas, what do you think about Leicester and their chances of uh, qualifying? I mean, it's a weird answer, but it, it all comes down to Leicester. And whether they're the Leicester team who's played one half of the season or the Leicester team who's played the other. They are the biggest hit or miss side in the Premier League at the moment. Like, I I would never, ever put money on them because they can either go out and look like they should be, uh, like, top four in the Premier League or they can go out and just... Uh, have an awful game. Uh, I don't follow much of football in the in the Netherlands, but I think Eindhoven could turn them over in this in this tie. See, for me, the story about Eindhoven that I like is Mario Götze. The, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I've I've got yeah. a, I've got a soft spot for I've got a soft spot for him. Austin, is that you back? Uh, yep. Can you hear me all right? Hear you all right yeah. now. Right. Do you want to go over your PSV <laughs> Sure. So, uh, yeah, Craig. I know. I mean, you were talking about PSV recently, and uh, also PSV second side. Uh, but no, the first team has been. They've done excellent this year. They're firing all on all cylinders, as I said before. Um, they're looking really, really up there this season. Uh, I think they could possibly win their division. However, that's not what we're here for. We're here for the Europa Conference League. And the first leg against uh, Copenhagen was shocking. Shocking. Uh, you know, a 4-4 result, of course. Ego thriller, everyone's, you know, it's an amazing result if you're a neutral fan. However, uh, if you're a PSV supporter, you're going to be quite nervous, you feel, because... It was it was shocking, honestly. They were, I mean, to be three one down at half time. Yeah, no, it's it's not what they should be doing. Uh, however, in the second leg, triumphant four 0 victory. You really hope they have their act together against Leicester because Leicester, of course, 
they're well known for catching sort of bigger teams out when they're not uh, on their day, you know. So I really hope um, that, that that shouldn't happen, and I would like to see PSV go through, if not just for uh, the fact that it's Leicester losing, <laughs> being an Arsenal fan. Also, uh, I would like to see Joey Veerman do well, because I know he was linked for Rangers and now he's at PSV. He's excelled for PSV in games recent. Uh, you know, it, it would be good to see. Uh, however, you know, there's there's a question sort of surrounding their, their form in Europe. It's been quite topsy-turvy. You feel they, they, sort of, they need to have their act together and, you know, they really need to make um, a game of it. Right. I'm going to go around the houses here and ask a question and you can only give me your one answer. So who's going to win the Champions League, Kane? Really, I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, I, th- I, don't, I don't want to say it right, but it starts in L and it ends in L and Tom would be very happy, okay? That's, <laughs> I can't bring myself to say they will win the Champions League, but then... <laughs> Right, okay. Uh, Thomas? Uh, oh, for Champions League. Um, Man City. I'm not going to bet on us on this one. <laughs> Austin? <laughs> I'm going to go for an outsider here. And actually, I'm going to say Benfica. Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't mean to laugh at that, but I don't think Benfica are going to win. Right, uh, it's a I'm real gonna... wild card one. Yeah. I'm going to go for Bayern Munich. Um, right. Europa League. Kane? Oh, Rangers. All day. No, I, I was, I was bottoming up Barcelona. I'm going to stick with Barcelona. Uh, <laughs> I'd take getting to the final again at Rangers. And, uh, where is it? Seville. I'll just trash so, it Seville then instead of Manchester. No, is it not Terriana or something like that? It's like really far out uh, east. Oh, no, no, that's for the conference, isn't it? Is that the conference? Yeah, I'm sure it's because they were and, um, getting prepared in case they were going to have to have a better and severe final. They thought that would just be absolute <laughs> bedlam. Because <laughs> obviously they had the oh, same okay. oh, well, they both got put it last night, so that's not, that's not the case. Uh, Thomas, who's won the Europa League? Barcelona. Uh, Austin? Uh, I'm going to go Rangers as well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna go Leipzig just to just to be different. And, oh. <laughs> and finally, um, Europa Conference League. Kane. I think you're on about Leicester and PSV. The winner will be from that tie. I'm pretty sure. I think that should they topple each other, that'd be enough to see up everybody else. So I'll go with Leicester. Rogers will stay in the job. Thomas. PSV. Austin. I'll go with Marseille. Jorge Sampelli's side have been too good this season not to end it with a trophy. So that's the album I'm going with. Oh, I'm going to go with uh, the really outsider, and I really hope they do win it, of Bodo Glint. Bodo. Bodo Glint. <laughs> what a team. <laughs> oh, I really hope they win it. I think that'll be good for football. So, um, so good they got two names. Yeah, so good. <laughs> They've been named twice. Um, <laughs> we're going to go and talk about F1 because uh, the F1 starts this week. 
Um, obviously, after the the controversy, the drama of last season between Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton and the last lap in the duel in the desert, um, basically, this this is shaping up to be a very exciting year for uh, F1 again. So everyone knows that Verstappen and Hamilton will be the two favourites, but Ferrari have made a strong car. Um, Mercedes have done something different with their car. Then you've also got uh, what do you call it? McLaren as well, uh, who have just signed Lando Norris. So there's a there's a lot of good drivers in the paddock, and those will be the, probably the three teams that we'll probably be looking at here, because uh, Mercedes have taken off their side panels off their car, which is used for cooling, and made their car more aerodynamic. So by doing that, apparently they're saying it saves a second a lap, but. They're in Bahrain just now, and they're doing practices just now. And at the second practice, McLaren and Ferrari, uh, and it's, it's, it's McLaren, isn't it? Who does Verstappen race for again? Uh, Red Bull. Red Bull, yeah, yeah. It's McLaren, Ferrari, and Red Bull that have all, like, yeah, are all leading just now, which is really weird after they've changed their car. Um, who do you think is going to win this season then, uh, Thomas? Uh. Oh, you know, I I think had the race director not changed, um, Verstappen would win it. Uh, because yeah, I I don't even know what happened with that with that race last season. Um, but I think it could be very interesting. I think George Russell is sort of a dark horse for this year. Uh, he came fourth in qualifying today. No, uh, sorry, fourth in the practice today. Um and he he wasn't bad for Williams, um, despite the fact that Williams are without doubt one of the worst teams in Formula One um for consistency. Yeah, I, I think he could be uh sort of top three. But I can't see anyone um beating Lewis Hamilton to it this year. I think he's just gonna blow everyone out of the water. It all depends on like if this gamble from Mercedes is paid off by taking the side pods off the car, I think. Uh, Kane, have, do you watch much F1? Not much. I mean, the only thing I think is that Lewis Hamilton is obviously going to have a, a, a massive chip on his shoulder, isn't he? And when stuff like that happens, how often do we see them you know, come out and just blow everybody else in the water later on? Uh, I don't watch much. I'm trying to get into more of a little bit of everything other than just, uh, just talking about Rangers and yeah, slagging off my United, but uh, no, I'll, I'll go with Lewis Hamilton. Not his biggest fan either, but um, just watched him on a few of those. I think he's been on League of Their Own stuff like that. Just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that that, I, that I'd like to go out for a pint with. But I'll, I'll go with him. Austin, do you do you watch F, watch F one? Uh, not much, Craig, but. I have I have a feeling here, and as much as I don't enjoy their involvement uh, with the footballing world, I do feel that uh, the Red Bull team could possibly win it. Um, I enjoy Daniel Ricciardo. I don't particularly watch Formula One, however, I do um, enjoy him. I really like his sort of personality, and I think he's an excellent driver. So. That's just been general for me there. I don't think Ricardo races for Red Bull, mate. I think he races for McLaren. 
That's me showing my Formula One knowledge right there for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was That's thinking that. that. I'm, sure, I'm sure it's Perez and, and Verstappen and McLaren have got um, yeah. Ricardo and Lando Norris. Oh, for God's sake. I've already said it. I'm still just going to have to go with Red Bull now. I've already said it, so I'm not about to change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> they won that year. Well, Verstappen won it last year, so I'll be in the year, I think, for like to see where the cars, well, who wins the races and who wins the constructors' championships because there's now like Mercedes have dominated it for a while, but now you'd say there's four teams that are on the rise and like are really to like duel it out. Um, shall we move on to the Six Nations? Sure. Right. Um. Shall we talk about um, Ireland's fall uh, at the last huddle when they get beat by Scotland at the weekend, Thomas? Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be possibly the best game of the Six Nations based off of the fact that they both looked really strong for most of the tournament. Um we both had awful games against Italy, uh, which is, yeah, which sort of joins the two teams together. Can I see Ireland losing that? No. Um, I think it's going to be, I think Scotland will probably get a losing bonus point from the game. I think it's going to be extremely close. But I'm I'm dreading the games tomorrow. Um because even if we even if we do beat Scotland, we're still relying on England to beat France in the evening, and so it's just going to be yeah, my uh, my heart rate and anxiety is going to be through the roof, um, all day tomorrow. So, uh, England at Twickenham, do you think they'll do you a favour? Because they did look good against Ireland, especially how they had a man sent off, and what was it, eighty-two seconds? So do you think that that might galvanise England into getting a result for you? I I don't know. Um, I think what's his name is it Marcus Smith, the England fly half. He's been brilliant this year. Um, and if anyone if anyone is going to play a crucial part in that game, it's going to be him. But France are really quick, and they are really skillful this year. Um. And I can't see them slipping up. Although I'd love to see it, and I'd love to see Ireland crowned as Six Nations champions, it's not going to happen. France are way too strong, and England haven't looked great either. Uh, a loss to Scotland and a pretty heavy loss right in the end <laughs> to uh, to Ireland last week. Um, England won't do it, um, and France will be. Six Nations champions and win the Grand Slam tomorrow night. And the thing about the rugby, I always thought was it was between the Six Nations, there was like three good nations and then three like poor nations. Italy were always one of the poor nations. Let's be fair, right? Um, but when it comes to like looking forward to the Six Nations every year, it seems like uh, five of the nations like it's now became extremely competitive. So going mm. forward with this. Um, there's a lot of talk of like kicking Italy out of the Six Nations or like having a, like a relegation uh, thing in like that. Would you be for that, Thomas or Kane? 
it's like it's like the argument with like a San Marino sort of thing as well, isn't it? Um, like why are they why are they in the playoffs? Why the San Marino get to play against England and stuff? It's kind of like that. I mean, they they don't do very very well. I don't know the actual statistics. I'll look it up, but I think I would safely say at least finished last. I don't know, maybe for the last. I couldn't even guess. Every time I've looked, anyway, they've finished last. Uh, I don't know. Depends, because they're still keen. The fans still enjoy it. It's still it's experience for them. They're only going to get better playing against some of the top players in the world. You know, going to going to France, going to Italy, uh, sorry, going to Ireland, um, playing the Turkey and stuff like that. They're only going to improve. I think if you throw them out, it kind of that's it for them. There's no really any way back. Uh, I've, not, I've not actually heard about the whole relegation thing before, Craig. What's that kind of? Who would so, be willing like, to come so there's always there's obviously other teams in Europe. Um, you've got like Georgia, I've got a team. Romania, I've got a team. Like there's other nations, but like those are the ones that typically qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. And obviously they're excluded from that because, like, that. But it would give like teams like Georgia a chance to come up and like Romania. Plus it'll give like the bigger teams something to fear because, I mean, for years like. In the like the Scottish like bottom and that like what was it was it East Dublin finished bottom consistently yeah. for years and after the introduced relegation they're like oh crap we actually need to go spend money otherwise <laughs> we we're gonna end up in the Highland League or the Lowland League here and that would make it worse because it gives it also might like make Italy invest more in rugby as well like yeah as well. I suppose it gives them a, it's a bit fear eh probably give them the boot of the the backside they need to kind of Put, put more emphasis into the rugby in that. Um, that's quite yeah, interesting, though. Yeah, well, like, it might give other like countries that don't have prominent rugby teams a chance to think, oh, we can get part of the Six Nations. And yeah. like that, like, like, so, like Germany, Germany could easily come in. Like, uh, I know, uh, I know, we're not allowed to talk about Russia, but like Russia, I've got a, a team as well. Like, um, it's it's in those things of. Well, it'd make rugby better overall, but... What's the restriction as well? Would it have to be Europe? Uh, yes, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, it kind of does, because uh, you've kind of got... Um, uh, what do you call it? You've, you've got the... Because you've, you've got the... Is it the Tri-Nations, which is mm-hmm. South Africa, uh, Australia, and New Zealand? Yeah. I, I think it's actually the four nations now, is it not? Did Argentina not get involved in that? Possibly, it's been easy since I looked at the uh, like the Southern Hemisphere teams because like, a team like Japan, who did really well in the World Cup and they hosted the World Cup, like they should be like a part of a, a competition like that. Because I mean, yeah. if, if if they do like the what do you call it? But if it's the four nations, make it the five nations, include Japan or even like the what do you call it? Like the island nations, like Samoa, Fiji. There's a yeah. lot of good rugby nations that don't play a lot of rugby they, when the World Cup comes around you're just like oh okay then that'll help yeah. got, I'm just looking at like a, the, there's a rugby Europe championship here and the, the six teams that are in it are Spain Russia Romania Portugal Netherlands and Georgia like the, each of them probably deserve you know an opportunity to that's quite interesting because that could be the like of a championship you know and then the Premier League is the Six Nations and get yeah. up and down and, yeah, like I said, it gives you more of a reason to. Yeah, I think your your point about East Island that was perfect because it's you're just happy knowing that oh well, 
we were getting beat every week. We're not doing very well, but we'll see us all next year. Uh, it might not be the case if they, if they introduce something like that. It would be quite good. Um, it would be a shame to kick them out altogether, but no, a relegation thing would be, I think that would be the, the fairest thing to do. And it would it'd be the best, it'd be in the best interest of Italy as well. They don't want us to get thrown out altogether. Yeah, no, because like, just looking at it just now, like most of the, uh, we call it, big t- uh, teams, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, France and England, qualify with a top 12 finish at the World Cup. And that's, that's pretty standard. That, I mean, that's pretty easy for like those clubs because or those countries because they're playing again your Georgias, your Netherlands, your your some your, your your smaller countries and like they don't have to go through qualifying as well. So it's just stuff like that. So it would open up the open up the World Cup a bit more as well because they say it's World Cup, but it's about what it's about. I would say fifty nations. Yeah. And a, and a, and a constant loop. Yeah, it's nothing like our football where there's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where, where, yeah where, a, where a small team can like manage to somehow qualify through like the playoffs because I'm waiting for an Oceania team to eventually, that's not New Zealand, to eventually like, you know, get through. Like, I'd love to see that. I think yeah. just, I mean, they wouldn't have filled out the stands, but the, the, the 10 fans that would be there would just be the most famous <laughs> fans in the world. I remember but, when North Korea made the World Cup. Like stuff like that. I mean, you don't. When you think of North Korea, yeah. it's the only negative things you think of. But the fact that they got to a World Cup, um, yeah, because there's the option there of having there's so many teams across FIFA. Yeah, it would add a bit more interest to the to rugby. And rugby's definitely not as popular sport as football. Uh, it's definitely not. It shows you with you know how little teams there are that participate. But that would make it more interesting if there was some sort of excitement of a, a final day relegation battle. I don't know whether it would maybe be Italy were just getting relegated straight away or if they would have to play against say Georgia won that league below or something like a playoff something like that. That that would probably make it more interesting. Yeah, no, take no. away from the Six Nations because the Six Nations is everybody knows that it's just been five weeks of rugby. So you then throw you know grown arms and legs and stuff but I think it'd make it more interesting though. Anything they can do to make it interesting because it's it's a long, long way away from rival football. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just looking at it just now of um, like companies, companies qualify for the, what do you call it, the World Cup. South Africa have qualified. Uh, Argentina have qualified. The Six Nations have qualified. Japan, Australia, New Zealand and Fiji. And then after that, You've got Uruguay, Chile, and United, oh, United Chile or United States, sorry. Uh, there's Georgia uh, and Spain. Then after that, Samoa. Like, and then after that, you've got either Tonga, Hong Kong, Malaysia, or South Korea. And then there's another, there's somebody else to sort of qualify from Africa as well. So there's there's a lot to be done, like, to improve it. Because how many, I'm looking at that, there's not that many teams there, but it's the same teams all the time. And it would, I, I would give, you know, Teams a better opportunity to progress, and I would like yeah. to see that. Like, I'd like to. I, I'm. I'm always a fan of like when a team comes up from the championship to the Premier League. I like to see a team that I've never seen before. Like yeah. I was, like I'm looking at the top two just now. I think it's what Bournemouth and Fulham. So then I look at the playoffs and I think, well, I want to see Luton Town come up who are in the, the top six just now. And it, for me, it's just something different. Yeah. Ah, it's good. It's good to get a, a bit fresh in that, and it's probably why uh, 
It's probably another reason why Scottish football is not as popular as it is because it's always Rangers Celtic, Rangers Celtic, or when Rangers were nowhere in the league, Celtic, Celtic, like Celtic, there was no challenge <laughs> at all from anybody else. So it's, it's always pretty about- close. Anytime anybody else wins the league, we went when Leicester won the league. I think everybody except maybe the who well, Spurs were in the hunt. I think everybody except Arsenal and Spurs were one less than in that league because the underdog's always great. You'll have seen somebody you've never seen come in and do well. So Georgia were to get into the Six Nations territory, it'd be great to see them maybe not beat Scotland, but beating everybody else, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm asking for is a little bit of a, like, a little bit of, you know, difference, you know, yeah. something, something different. And like, giving those other nations an opportunity to, like, come and play a sport because... It's one of those things that people look at sport as an escape and a way to like, like get themselves out of like, let's say poverty or like situations and stuff like that. And it could be a release and stuff like that. So, like other countries don't have rugby as that thing. They could do mainly it's football, and then you look around the world and like tennis and it's stuff like that. But like football is the easiest one because all you need is a ball and a flat playing surface. Yeah. So. Unless you live on like, unless you're playing on like a bed of spikes or in the, just in the mountains, you can play football basically. Yeah. So. Jumpers for goalposts. Yeah, yeah, jumpers for goalposts, and that's how that's how maybe that's our one. Uh, anyone got anything else to say about the Six Nations? Um, Not really. No. I did wonder though, Tom, if it was if it would kind of ease your anxiety a bit if you just didn't didn't win the early game. You know what I mean? Like if you win that early game, um, you're gonna spend the rest of the night stressing. If you just lose that game in the first place, at least you can have a chill out Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, uh, I'll send Johnny Sexton a little message now and just be like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't want to worry all night, just just lose. Yeah. I mean, I'd be worrying for a different reason. Then I'd be worrying that England may beat France and win the Six Nations. And I don't know which I would rather happen. Is that still possible <laughs> for them? Yeah. Uh, I think if Ireland lose tomorrow, no, no, because England have lost two games. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, yeah, France are on 18 points, Ireland are on 16, and England and Scotland are on 10. Yeah, so essentially, if uh, if Ireland lose to Scotland earlier in the day, France have a friendly in the evening because they can't be caught. But you wouldn't like the risk of England finishing second, so. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, they have to win big against France, so don't see that happening. Yeah, and when you mentioned Marcus Smith, you have to point out. I think that's one of the talking points from the whole Six Nations. Even though they've not, they're not going to win at England, but what a breakout tournament for him! Eh? Oh yeah, oh he's Absolutely been brilliant, fantastic. Um, yeah, he had uh, he had Ireland pretty pretty far on the ropes. Um, I think he scored all the points against Scotland. He did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he's been brilliant this year, um, and he's really going to be someone for the future. Definitely, they were panicking so much when Farrell was out, and I mean, I don't think I've heard Farrell's name since the, no. the Scotland game <laughs> when uh, when Smith had obviously like scored all the points in that, and that's quite worrying. He's one for the future. Like he he he'll keep it going. Um, I think you're right though, Craig. It's, it's going to be a more competition in the Six Nations anyway for the next few years, but. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting point about Italy. I, I definitely see something like a promotion sort of thing. Yeah, I, I just just for me, I just want to see different teams sometimes. 
I like, I like the Six Nations as a concept, but at the same time, it's kind of like a Super League, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah. Yeah. So, right. Um, well, I think that should be us. We should be able to call it there. Um, uh, from Ginger Spice, it's goodbye. Goodbye. From Sporty, uh, sorry, Sporty Spice. We're not the Spice Girls. So the, 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 <laughs> I've got that uh, stuck in my head. Yeah, so from Ginger Sport, it's goodbye. Uh, from Sporty Sport. Goodbye, guys. From Posh Sport. Goodbye. And from Baby Sport. Bye-bye. Remember to like, subscribe, and remember, we're not students of the game anymore. We're the Sports Boys. Ta-ra! Bye-bye.